Harvest Church sisters, will you give a round of applause for our amazing speaker, Pastor Manushka Charles. Come on, anybody excited to be in the room? Can you give God some praise? Come on, I think you could do a little bit better than that. I heard you in worship. Can you just give God a shout all over this room? If you're grateful tonight, if you're thankful that God has brought you here. Wow, wow. What a privilege and an honor to be able to be in this space tonight and to be able to worship with you all. The worship team is absolutely incredible. And really, there's no better place to be than in the presence of God and I think it's evident that his presence is here. He's in the room. And I just want to say thank you to the leadership of this house, Pastor Perry, Pastor Barb, Christina. Thank you so much. Come on, can we give it up for these amazing leaders, people who love the local church, who believe in women's ministry and, and seeing us come together because I believe that God wants to speak to somebody tonight that you didn't come here by accident you didn't just show up here uh, but it's because God wants to speak to you and like they said my name is Manushka I am from Brooklyn New York and uh, I have the opportunity of being a part of Voo Church in Miami and we're getting ready to celebrate six years this Sunday and it's amazing we can clap for that it's been amazing to see all that God has done. I remember when we launched our church six years ago. I was leading worship in our kids' ministry. And it has been beautiful to see all that God has done in this time. And, and I just love what God's doing in the local church and that we get to partner together, whether it's in Miami or Sacramento, that we get to just lift up the name of Jesus together. And tonight, I believe that God wants to speak to somebody in the room that you came in here to hear a word from God. You didn't come in here to be impressed. You didn't come in here to hear some incredible speech, but you came in here to hear from the Lord. And I believe that he is going to speak tonight. And, and I've been in the book of Joel for the past few weeks, and I've just been reading this Old Testament prophet and it's just three short chapters, but I feel like there's so much in there that God is speaking. And in the Old Testament, the prophets all had an image. They all had this uh, image that would represent the message of God. And in the book of Joel, the image is actually a locust. If you don't know what a locust is, it's like a large grasshopper. It's a consuming insect. Like locusts aren't fun. You don't go to PetSmart and buy a locust. Like, like, you don't want to deal with locusts. It was actually one of the 10 plagues that God had sent to Egypt. But the prophet is writing about this because Israel's actually dealing with a locust invasion at the time. And so the locust invasion is causing all this damage to their grain and their crop. And the interesting thing about when there's a locust invasion is that the locusts will eat the seed of the previous season it'll eat the seed, the seed of the current year and it would even destroy the seed of the next year. And so whenever there were locusts, you would be dealing with a lot of devastation. It would be years and years to redevelop what all the locusts had stolen. And the reason why God is using this illustration for his people is because he's trying to remind them that although they are dealing with locusts, both spiritually and physically, that if they turn their attention to him, that he promises to restore. That it's this promise that he, he's saying that if you turn to me, that I will restore, I will refresh, and I will renew. And so I want to read from Joel 2. I'm going to start 
in verse 12. And it says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. So I want to talk to you for the next few moments from this title, May I Have Your Attention, Please. Can we pray together? God, we thank you so much for your presence that is in the room. God, we, we know that you are already speaking. Father, you're already moving. You're already doing a work. And as we open up your word, God, our desire is to hear from you, that, that people would hear the word that they need to hear tonight. And so we just pray and ask that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. May I have your attention, please. I, I believe that that's the word that God is speaking to us in this season, that he's telling his people, even now, return to me. That even now, when you are dealing with locusts, when you're dealing with all these issues, turn your attention to me. He's reminding them that they don't have to focus on the destruction. They can focus on him. And as I was thinking about this text and about the way that locusts invade, I was thinking about the past few years that we've had. That we started off 2020 and it kind of felt like a locust season. That the year was filled with pain and it was filled with sorrow and it was filled with division. And we stepped into 2021 and we thought things would get better, but still felt like locusts. And with just four more months left in the year, it, it, it's, it doesn't look like things are getting better. I don't know how these past few years have been for you. Maybe they've been the best years of your life. Maybe they've been the worst. But collectively, I think what we're seeing in our world and in our, in our nation feels like modern-day locusts. Feels like locusts is consuming us, that locusts have consumed our minds and it has consumed our families. It feels like there's locusts. But the word of the Lord is don't get distracted by the locusts. Don't get distracted by the problems. Don't get distracted by the issues. Fix your eyes and your attention on me. That we all deal with locusts. That there, there's something that consumes us, something that distracts us. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but there's, there's things that can pull our attention away from God. And I believe that we're living in one of the most distracted generations. That it is so easy to be distracted. That in a moment, we can just pull out our phones and be somewhere else. That we never have to deal with awkward social situations because we can just pull out our phones. While I'm preaching right now, you could be playing Candy Crush. I wouldn't even be offended. But we're living in a distracted generation. I knew it was bad when my mom was texting at a red light. I'm like, who do you need to text? I thought this was an issue for me. I'm like, how are you sucked into this thing? That, that we're just so distracted that, that there's so many things that are pulling for our attention. And so I have to ask you, what are you doing with your time? 
Time is one of the most valuable assets that we have. You can't buy it. You can't sell it. You can't trade it. There's people in the hospital right now wishing they had more time. There's some people in this room, you wish you had more time with a loved one. The time is valuable, but it seems to be the thing that we waste the most. It's so interesting whether you have a lot of money in the bank or a little bit of money in the bank, you know how much money's in there. And if someone started pulling out money from your account without your authorization, you would call up Chase, you'd call up Bank of America, and you'd be like, I think somebody is stealing from me. But we don't do the same thing with our time. That we have allowed unauthorized transactions to take place in our lives and people that take from our time and pull from our energy and we just let it slide. That there is so much value in our time. And I know because this is, I deal with this issue too. Like I love social media. I love Instagram. I love Facebook. I love all of that. But I've realized that it takes up a lot of my time. And that it got really scary when the iPhone started tracking our screen time. But it didn't get scary enough for us to change. Like I have committed myself to not get a TikTok. Anybody have a TikTok in the room? Just a few people. You're like, what is TikTok? No, I'm going to bring you up to speed. I, I know you have a TikTok for sure. <laughs> but TikTok is this like, it's this app. It's kind of cool because it has all these different videos. And I love TikTok videos, but I can't commit to TikTok because the thing about it is that it doesn't even let you choose what you watch. It just goes from like video to video. Like the algorithm knows what you need. Someone sent me a TikTok video. And then an hour later, I'm like, how am I still on TikTok? How did I, why am I watching a video about cats? Wait, how did we get there? And I thought to myself, I was like, why do they call it TikTok? Like I was just thinking, I'm like, why do they call it TikTok? And I had this revelation. You know why they call it TikTok? Because it takes up your time. TikTok, TikTok. The most valuable asset that we have, we let it get wasted away. And I'm not saying that these things are the devil, but I think he can use it to keep us distracted. And maybe social media is not your thing. Maybe that's not what distracts you. Maybe it's gossiping. Maybe, maybe that's not your thing. Or maybe it's that job that takes away your peace. Maybe it's that relationship that doesn't serve you. I don't know what it is, but I have to ask you, is there anything that is taking up your priority with God? Is there anything that is taking your time that you should be spending with God? Time is too valuable. We are so distracted. And I found myself that even sometimes when I take away the distractions and I'm like, all right, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get into the presence of God. And, and then my thoughts get distracted. Have you ever been praying and you just thought some weird things? Like I'll be praying and all of a sudden I hear kill him. And I'm like, wait, that is not God. I repent, Lord. Don't judge me. You got problems too. You've been there. But the Bible says that we have the ability to take every thought captive. So that even when my mind wanders, even when my mind is distracted, I have the ability to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That I can live my most focused life.
that I don't have to live distracted, that I don't have to live with things pulling for my attention, that I have the ability to make Christ my priority. But that takes intentionality. And I've learned the reason why we're so distracted is because we're looking for good things outside of God. That we're looking for peace and we're looking for love and we're looking for joy and we're looking for purpose and and we're looking for all of these things that God desires to give us, but we look for it in other things. And so we're distracted by what I like to call inadequate fillers. The things that fill up our space and fill up our time, but they don't serve us. Things that don't help us and and we think that we're going to find purpose over there. We think we're going to find love in them, and we think we're going to find peace there, but it's just a distraction. And God's here just saying, can I get your attention, please? That I have everything that you need. Can I just get your attention? That if you would just turn to me, I could give you everything that you would ever desire. See, in the text, it says, rend your heart and not your garments. Rending your garments in the time of Jewish custom, they would rip their clothes if they were dealing with grief, if they had sinned. The act that they were to do was to rip their clothes. And they would rip their clothes in sorrow. And so when God is talking to his people, he's saying, I need you to not just have your clothes tear, but I need your heart. That I don't need this ritualistic act, but I need your heart. That his desire is to have our hearts. Sometimes we get so used to the rituals and the act, and we come to church, and we know when to sing, and we know when to raise our hands, and we know all the protocol, but God's like, I don't need another act. I need your heart. That I don't need just your church attendance. I need your heart. That I don't just need your service. I desire your heart. That everything else should flow from your heart for me. He's saying, man, I get your attention, please. That I don't want to just get good at doing church. I don't want to just be good at doing church. I want to be good at being in the presence of God. That I want to get good at making Christ a priority in my life. That I don't want to take all these good things and not have the God thing. That I don't want to just have good things. I don't want just good relationships and good friendships. I want things from God. And God's saying, if you turn to me, if I can get your heart, I can help you. That I can help you grow and to build in who I've called you to be. See, I believe that as followers of Jesus, that maybe you follow Jesus in the room, maybe you're, you're thinking about it, but as followers of Jesus, that in order for us to grow and develop, it takes the right habits. That in order to live a focused life, in order for us to give God our attention, it takes our habits. And what I've learned is that if we give God our heart, he'll help our habits. That if we give God our heart, he will help us with our habits. He'll help us develop the right habits to seek him, to get into his presence, to know him deeper. That is his desire. That he desires to have a connection and a relationship with us. And it takes our habits. 
It takes the right kind of habits. If we're ever going to grow stronger, it's going to take the right habits. Everybody wants to be refined, but nobody wants to go through the fire. Everybody wants to get stronger, but nobody wants to go to the gym. I want a six pack, but I don't go to the gym. I can't get what I want if I'm not willing to do the habits that take it. That I can't desire the life and not adopt the lifestyle. That I can't say that I'm a follower of Jesus and don't do anything that seems like I'm following Jesus. That it takes my habits. It it takes my lifestyle. And it takes a level of preparation to have the right habits. You got to learn how to prepare. The other day I went on vacation. I was in Utah. I think I was in Utah. At one point I was like in three different states and I couldn't remember. Is Is the Narrows in Utah? I went to Zion National Park and I said, I want to do a hike. I was like, I want to go to the Narrows. And my friend said, it's a water hike. You need to be prepared. And so the way that I prepared is I bought an outfit. I was ready. I looked like the black Tomb Raider. You couldn't tell me anything. Like I walked into the Narrows. Somebody's like, I like your outfit. And in hindsight, I realized that's not the kind of compliment that I need. Like if I was focused on my outfit, I, I was... I was headed for trouble. And so we're getting ready to do this hike, and I'm so excited about it. And, and you, I got a staff. Like, it's a whole deal. Like, I'm, I'm so ready. It's this 9.4-mile water hike. And someone was like, the further you go, the more beautiful it gets. And I was like, all right, I'm going all the way. And so we get in. I'm like, this is not that bad. Like, why did people say this was hard? Like, this is easy. And about two hours and 20 minutes into the hike, my left knee was just like, I'm done. We're done here. And I was like, you know what? My left knee gave out. At least I still have my right knee. 10 minutes later, my right knee gives out. It was, I'm literally dragging myself through this hike. And I'm I'm praying in every language I know. I'm praying in tongues. I'm Haitian. I'm praying in Creole. I'm praying in English. I'm like, God, if you deliver me from this thing, I will serve you forever. I struggled. The last two hours of the hike was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. And I finally get back to the campsite and I had to ice both my knees. I'm in like, I'm in so much pain. And and a friend of mine was like, how was the Narrows? I was like, it was awesome, but I almost died. (laughs) And she said, did you train? I said, what are you talking about? She's like, people train before they go to the Narrows. I said, what? So I went on Google And in fact, people do train before they go to the Narrows. I read this one blog. This lady said she was running 10 miles. They were swimming. They were biking. They were weight training before they went to the Narrows. I did none of that. I bought an outfit. I had the right garments, but I wasn't prepared. And it was not like the people who had prepared were any better than me. They just took daily habits in order for them to get ready for what they knew they were going through. And I've learned with my walk with Jesus that in order for me to go all the way, that it's going to take my habits. That there were some things that I missed out in the narrows because I was not strong enough to make it. That I had not prepared enough to see the beauty and the wonder because I wasn't ready for it. 
And if we desire to grow deeper in God, if we desire to see all that he has for us, it's going to take daily habits. That it's going to take daily focus for us to say, I desire to know more about God because I don't know what life has up ahead, but I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. And I'm the type of person where my habits, I, I need like structure. Anybody need structure? I need like structure. I need a plan because if I don't have a plan, I'm going to do whatever I want. And so I developed this thing that I call the prayer preparation kit to help me grow and develop. I was like, I know that I need a plan. And so I'm going to tell you a few things that I put in my prayer preparation kit. And the first thing that I put in my prayer preparation kit is worship. That there's just something about worship. There's something about being in the presence of God. There's a freedom in the presence of God unlike anything else. That there's some moments where I might not feel like praying. I might not feel like spending time with God. But if I just get in his presence, if I just play some worship and I just sit in his presence, something shifts in me. That, that all of a sudden the things that I'm feeling go away and I get to encounter his presence. See, what I love about God is that worship is to him, it's for him, but he invites us in. That we have the opportunity to be renewed and to be refreshed in times of worship. See, the Bible says in Psalms 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless him. And I found in times of worship that I can just start saying thanks. That when I begin to raise up my level of gratitude, I realize that God has done more than I have, could ever imagine. That, that when I begin to thank him, there's something that changes in me, something that shifts in me, that it changes the atmosphere when I get grateful. That when I shift my focus away from my problems and my issues and I, and I start to focus on the goodness of God, something changes. During the Passover, the Israelites have this song that they sing. It's called Dianu. And the song means it would have been enough. And so they're reminding themselves that through the Exodus, that everything that God had done was more than enough. They sing, well, if you brought us out of Egypt, God, it would have been enough. If you helped us cross the Red Sea, it would have been enough. If you gave us manna from heaven, it would have been enough. And what they're doing is they're reminding themselves of all the great things that God has done. They're reminding themselves that God always goes above and beyond. It's their God, thank you for overdoing it. Thank you for doing more than I could have ever expected. Thank you for doing more than I could have ever imagined. It's it's a thank you that something happens in the presence of God when we get grateful. That something happens when we get into a space when we can just say, God, thank you. The second thing that I put in my prayer preparation kit is prayer journaling. That I started to get into the habit of writing down my prayers. That there are moments where Maybe my words seem like they can fall short and I, I need a little bit of boost of faith and I can just write down what I'm believing God for. That I begin to write down and date what my friends are believing God for so that I can go back to that thing and continue to pray over it. And then the beautiful thing is when God does it that I can look back and say, look what God has done. Because I have selective memory sometimes. That there's some seasons where I'm like, 
I can't remember how God showed up, but there's something about being able to go back to it and say, look what the Lord has done. The prophet Habakkuk in chapter two, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For, the, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And sometimes we need a reminder. Sometimes I've just got to write it down and say that I know that it may have not come to pass yet, but the word of the Lord says that it will not delay, that it will surely come to pass. And I've got to get it in writing. See, there's certain things that aren't official until you get it in writing. You can't buy a house until you get it in writing. You can't get a car unless you get it in writing. There's some conversations that I have with people, and it's verbal confirmation, but I say, hey, can you, can you get that in writing? Can you make it a little bit more official? And I think you can exercise your faith and get some things in writing. That you're saying, hey, I'm going to write down what I'm believing God to do, that we can get it in writing. The third thing is a daily prayer rhythm. I believe it's important for us to pray without ceasing, to go throughout our day and, and, and to pray and to speak to God and to continue the conversation. But I've realized there's something so significant about having a time and a place to meet with God. That having a specific rhythm where I know that this is my time with God that I have everything on my calendar. I know when I'm going where. I know who I'm meeting with. Everything is on my calendar that I, I have all these things that I prioritize, but do I prioritize my time with God? Do I know when I'm meeting with God or do I, I randomly select a time for God? See, what, what I've noticed is that God is not random with us that he doesn't randomly show up, that he doesn't randomly speak, that he's specific with you. And so if God is specific with me, I want to be specific with him. I want to develop a time. I want to have a place. I want to say, God, I'm going to seek you here. And I know I might not get it right all the time, but I want to say, God, I prioritize you. So therefore, I'm going to make sure that I'm making time for you, that I'm putting time in my day. Maybe it's your morning. Maybe it's your evening, but I'm making time for God. I have a friend. She wakes up at 5 a.m. to pray. I told her 5 a.m. gives me a stomachache. I can't do that. I got to meet the Lord at around 7.30 or 8, you know, when he's awake. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know what time works for you, but, but we don't have to develop somebody else's rhythm, that you have to develop your rhythm, that it's going to be unique to your life and it's going to be unique to your schedule, but make a time for God. The fourth thing that has been helpful for my life is scripture memorization. Then there's power in the text. There's power in the word of God. There's, there's power when we read and when we pray the text. That we have the ability to seek God concerning our situation. That the Bible, the word of God, has the answers to every issue that we have. So whatever we're dealing with, that we can go to God and we can pray the text that I found that it is so valuable for me to pray the text 
there was a season of my life where I was dealing with different traumas and different things and, and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't rest. And people would pray over me and they would, they would pray that God would give me rest. But I started speaking scripture over me. In Proverbs, there's a proverb that says that when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. And so each and every night I would be praying this over myself. And I wish I could tell you that it happened overnight, but it took time of me saying, hey, I'm going to continue praying this until I see it. See, there's a level of persistence that comes with our prayer. That it's not just about praying one time. It's not one and done, but, but sometimes it takes persistence. Sometimes it takes coming back to the presence of God. There's a story in Mark where there is a widow who is troubling an unjust judge. That every day that she goes up to this unjust judge and she is stating her issue and her problem. And Jesus uses that as a parable to teach his disciples how to pray. How to pray with persistence. How to pray and seek God and come back day after day for the answer that you need. That we don't just give up after one time, that we learn how to persist in his presence. And I was thinking to myself, like, well, well, God, why do we have to keep coming back? Like, why can't I get what I want when I ask for it? Like, God, give me a new car. God, a million dollars. You know, like, I wish that we could just pray and it would just happen, but I really felt like God revealed to me that the reason why he desires for us to persist in his presence is because it develops something down on the inside of us, that it develops our character. When we learn how to persevere, when we learn how to go back to the presence of God, that there is something that he develops down on the inside of us, something that would never develop if we got what we wanted right away. That God just doesn't want to give us what he needs. He wants to do something in us and through us. That he desires to do something with our lives. And he's saying, I've got to put you through the fire. I've got to refine you. I've got to allow you to come out as the person that I need you to be. So it might take waiting a little bit. But in the time that you're waiting, he's going to develop something in you. In the waiting, he's going to do something in you and through you. Another thing that I have in my prayer preparation kit is prayer walks. That I'll just take some time to walk around my neighborhood. I'll put my AirPods on and I don't want people to think I'm crazy and I'm talking to myself. And so I'll just walk around the neighborhood and just begin to pray. And to begin to have a conversation with God that, that, that I, I'm not distracted by what's around me, but that I'm saying, God, I'm focused on you that I want to take time to spend with you, that, that I spend my time on so many different things, that I, I fill my time with distraction after distraction, but I want to be committed to spending time with God. I'm guilty of trying to fill empty moments with distractions. Long lines at the grocery store, distracted. If it's a red light, all right, I'll, I'll pull out my phone. That... that even quiet moments, I, I try to say, well, well, I got some free time and I try to fill it. And God's like, can you fill that time with me? Can you spend it with me? That he desires for us to grow stronger. He desires something in us, but it requires our attention. That God said, I, I want to speak to you, but it's really hard to speak to you if I don't have your attention. 
it's really hard for me to get through to you if I don't have your attention. So his ask is, may I get your attention, please? Can I get your focus back? Can I get your attention back? Can you not look to the locust? Can you not look to what's to the left of you or to the right of you, but can you focus on me? Can you spend time with me? Can you be with me? That is his desire. He's like, I just want to, I just want to be with my daughters. I just want to be with you. That his heart would be that we would get into his presence. And I get down on myself sometimes because I'm like, there's so many moments that I've just wasted. There's so many moments that I've just missed out. I missed out because I was too consumed. I missed out because I was too distracted and said, God, I I don't want to miss another moment. I don't want to keep missing moments in your presence. I I don't want to keep missing out. That I, I want to take time to be with you. I feel like there's many moments that I've missed out in life. About three years ago, it was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life. I stepped into a new year really hopeful about all that God was going to do. And a day that I'll never forget is February 2nd, 2018. That I was on my way to a wedding and it was a wedding in Mexico. It was going to be a day and a half trip. I remember a friend of mine, we got into this van we're driving about two hours to get to our hotel and I must have fell asleep but there was a moment where I just I felt a crash and I wasn't sure if it was reality I wasn't sure what was happening and and for a moment I opened up my eyes and I realized I couldn't move and I'm like something's something's wrong somebody pulled me out the car put me on the side of the road and I was in more pain than I'd ever felt in my life And I remember all I had, the strength and the energy to pray was, God, I don't want to die. They rushed us to a hospital. And one of the last things I remember is that you ruptured your spleen. You have to go into emergency surgery. And I would wake up 10 days later. and I I woke up and, and I realized that I just missed out so much time that I woke up and 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 they told me that the injuries were worse than they thought and and through that 10-day period that they didn't know if I was going to live or die every day they were unsure but I remember sitting in the hospital and thinking what is my life going to be like I didn't really have hope I, I didn't think that I would be able to do anything for myself. Everyone was taking care of everything for me. And I was like, well, is this going to be my life? I remember getting back to Miami and, and trying to begin the process of recovery and started the process of recovery. And I go to the hospital and say, well, they, they, they missed that you fractured your back and you need to be on bed rest. One wrong move and you can be paralyzed. 
So I had to go into another surgery. And in that season of my life, it just felt like thing after thing after thing was going wrong. That a year that I had so much hope, a year that I was so excited of what God would do, I felt like locusts had eaten what I thought I would have. That I would spend the next few months of that year in recovery and getting better and healing. And I had a moment, it was December of 2018, and I was looking back on the year that I had. I was looking back on all that I had went through. I was looking back on all that I had dealt with. And to my surprise, God did more with less. That I had less time that year, but God did more. That there's a way that God can restore. The prophet Joel talks about it. He says, I will repay for you the years that the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts and the other locusts and the swarm locusts. My great army that I sent among you. He says, you will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. He says, never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And it was such a reminder that God can restore the years that the locusts have stolen. God can restore the years that we felt like we have missed out on. That God has the ability to restore and to renew even what we felt like was lost. And his ask out of us is to turn our attention on him. That life will be filled with locusts and they might consume some things. But his promise is that he can restore. That he can renew. That the seed that you feel like the locusts have stolen, the dream, the vision, the idea, the career. That God's saying, I can restore that back to you. That you felt like you have missed out. You felt like you've missed out on your opportunity. You feel like it's too late for you to receive that thing that God has for you. But his, his promise is to repair, repay the years. His promise is to restore the years. That he promises to give us back everything that we lost. That there is nothing that God has promised to you that won't come to you. That there is nothing that God has said over you that will not come to you. His promise is to restore. His promise is to renew. He says, I will repay the years the locusts have stolen. Charles Spurgeon says it's this way. You can't have back your time. But there is a strange and wonder way in which God can give you back the wasted blessing, the unripened fruits on years which you have mourned. That you might be in this room and maybe you've mourned over some years. That you've mourned over some years where you say, well, well I wasted those years. 
that I've wasted that time. I, I squandered that time. I shouldn't have been in that relationship. I shouldn't have done that, that I've wasted those years and you've been getting down on yourself and, and you've been feeling shame and guilt over those years. And God is saying, I will repay those years. I will restore those years that it's not too late for you. That is his promise to us. And the prophet, he continues on and he says, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I believe that there's a promise in the room that God's saying, I will pour out every blessing that I will pour out every promise that God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind and God's saying I have not changed my mind about you that I have not changed my promise towards you that what I've spoken over you is still true that it is not lost that it is not gone that he he still has that promise over your life he promises to restore that he promises to renew. That it's not too late. It's not too late on the thing that you feel like you've missed out on. The career, the family, the life. God's saying, I can restore. That it's not too late for me to do something new. That it's not too late for me to pour out a fresh blessing. That it's not too late for me to pour out new anointing. That he's saying that if, if you would just turn your attention to me, if you would fix your focus on me, that you will see that I still have the promise. That we have let locusts distract us for too long. For too long, we have been distracted by what we don't have. We've been so distracted by our past. We've been so distracted by our hurt, and we've been so distracted by our pain. But God's ask is, can you fix your focus on me? Can you give me your attention? Can I be your priority? Can I be what you focus on? Can you desire me more than you desire the thing? Can you desire his presence more than you desire the promise? That he's saying that if you turn your heart to me, that I will give you everything that you desire. That I will give you everything that you need, that everything that you dreamed of, everything that you've asked for, that it's still available to you. That his promise is to refresh and to renew and to restore. That he promises to give you new dreams and new vision and new strategy. He promises to surround you with the right people. That in seasons where you feel like you're by yourself, that he promises to be with you. He promises to provide you with the right people. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Exodus 17. 
And Joshua, he's fighting the Amalekites. And it says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held up his hand, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. It says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. And God is calling you to be in a position where you can help other people. That God refines us and, and, and God purifies us, not just so we can say that we're stronger and we're better. But God's saying that I'm doing something in you so that you can help somebody to the left of you and to the right of you to get stronger. That what I'm doing in your life is not just for you. What I'm doing in your life is for your family. It's for your friends. For you to know that even when you feel weak and even when you feel worn and even when you feel tired, that God is saying, I will provide for you people who will hold up your arms. That I will provide for people who will be your strength. That you don't have to go through this season alone. That you don't have to go through this season by yourself. And I want to be the type of woman that says, I will hold up the arms of somebody else. That I'm not going to let you get weary. That I'm not going to let you get tired. I'm not going to let you go through alone. I'm not going to let you face the locust alone. That I will be with you. That I will be your strength. That you're not alone in this season. That the promise of God is that he is surrounding you. That he will be with you. And I believe there might be some people in this room that you might feel like you're dealing with locusts. You might feel like it's been year after year or week after week. It's just been thing after thing that it feels like a locust season. But God is saying, can you fix your attention on me? And in this room, can we have all head bowed and eyes closed? I just want to pray for some people in this room. And I believe that God wants to refresh. And he wants to restore. And he wants to renew. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, I, I've been tired. And I've been weary. And I've been worn. And I, I've been trying to carry a load all by myself. That I've been so distracted by my issues that I haven't been able to focus on God. I want to pray for you in this room. God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that your presence is in the room. We thank you for your promise. We, we thank you that you promise to renew. God, we thank you that you promise to restore. And so today, God, we receive all that you have for us. God, today we, we say that we let go and we surrender every hurt. That we surrender all the pain, God. That we surrender it all to you. That 
our desire, Jesus, is that we would trust you fully. That we would trust you fully with the season that we're in. That, God, that we throw off every weight, God. We throw off the shame. We throw off the guilt. That, God, we desire to seek you in a new way in this season. That we desire to see you in a new way. And so our prayer today is that we receive the promise. That we receive what you have for us. That there is fresh vision in the room. That there is fresh life in the room. And we just pray right now for an outpouring of your spirit. God, for an outpouring of your presence, God. That we will not be pulled away by the distractions anymore. That we will not be pulled away by all the hurt and the pain. God, we will not be pulled away. That we will fix our attention on you. That we will fix our attention on you, God. That we will focus on you. We will focus on your promise, God. That we will focus on your goodness. That we would focus on your love, God. That we would focus on all that you have for us. That we won't walk out of this room without everything that you've promised us. That we won't walk out of this conference without everything that you said that you would give to us. That we receive the newness that you bring to us. That we receive all that you have, Jesus. That we will not be held back. And so, God, we receive it. And we believe it. In Jesus' name. Amen.